Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on MileHighSports.com. Listen to Mile High Sports Radio, uh, 107.5 HD, 3 FM, 98.1 FM. In Denver, I'm Andrew Mason, Eric Goodman on assignment, filling in today of Mile High Sports, MileHighSports.com. Doug Ottawill. Doug, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. I am, uh, I'm stoked. Like you said on the phone earlier, I mean, we're not lacking for anything to talk about. This, that is very, that is very true. Very true. We'll get to all that in just a sec. sec. First, I want to tell you about our friends over at Optimum Golf. Hey, the weather outside is lousy. Doug, did you get a lot of snow out there on the Eastern Plains out in farm country? I got a call from my mom and she said that this was the worst one that she's seen in years. Oh, wow. So, Yes, I guess is the answer. I can't uh, give you a firsthand account of it, but uh, that's the rumor. <laughs> All right. Well, if you've got bad, you look outside, you see the bad weather, whether it's bad the further east you go or just gray and kind of miserable here in Denver. It doesn't mean you have to stop playing golf because the weather isn't golf weather. Go to Optimum Golf in the Park Hill or Rhino neighborhoods and you can keep your game ready for the season. Now is time to get your custom fit and custom built clubs and to get some lessons from their award-winning pros. Plus, you can keep your swinging shape in one of their virtual you play some of the best courses in the world. Optimum Golf also has leagues and tournaments, or you can host a private party over there. So book your tee time today. Get your golf lessons, whatever you need golf-wise, over at theoptimumgolf.com. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke & Dave's Barbecue & Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. You know they say about the weather here in Colorado, and they used to say this in Seattle as well when I lived there, if you don't like it, wait 15 minutes. I think that's the NFL quarterback landscape right now. If you don't like it, just wait a little bit. The roulette wheel is continuing to spin today. It's spun on Matt Ryan becoming an Indianapolis Colt. The Falcons send Matt Ryan after 14 seasons and a bushel full of franchise records and in league MVP back in 2016. They send him to the Indianapolis Colts for a third round pick. Atlanta is going to eat a league record in dead money for one player, one contract. That's $40 million the Falcons will eat. Atlanta subsequently turned around and agreed to terms on a two-year deal with Marcus Mariota, formerly of the Raiders, of course, with the Titans before that. First, let's talk about Matt Ryan, Doug, in terms of the AFC landscape, because, of course, altered by Russell Wilson coming to Denver, already had Justin Herbert in L.A., already had Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, pretty good quarterback in, in Derek Carr with, with the Raiders, already had Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, of course, Josh Allen in Buffalo got Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, and now you have a team that was nine and eight last year in the Colts, barely missed the playoffs. Considered the missing piece to be leadership from the quarterback position, and now right. they trade for Matt Ryan. What does this do for the AFC landscape? Well, I think the the question is is Matt Ryan 
Joe Flacco or is he Matt Ryan of two years ago? I mean, that's to me, that's what it boils down to because India is a great fit for him because they have such a good running game and because they have such talent at the running back position. So they don't, they're not asking him to do everything. I mean, they, they didn't ask that of Carson Wentz either, but I think the, that Matt Ryan, he could be one of those guys where his career gets extended and actually improves because of a new setting, a new running game. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's what it boils down to. Is, is he the next version of Joe Flacco? And if he isn't, then I think the AFC, the AFC in general, we were saying just the AFC West a week ago, but now it's just like the entire conference is just loaded with good quarterbacks. It is. I mean, Matt Ryan might be like ninth or 10th best, and maybe over in the NFC, he would have been perhaps fifth best. If right. He stayed I mean, over that's, there. That's a, that's a thing that I, uh, is kind of head scratching. You know, I don't want to jump ahead, but I mean, is, is Marcus Mariota better than Matt Ryan? I mean, I don't think so, but I mean, I don't know. They, they, Marcus Mariota is a guy that you kind of, I, I think you kind of understand what his top side is. Matt Ryan's a guy that maybe has plateaued in the setting where he is, yeah. but would you really eat $40 million to have Marcus Mariota replace him? I mean, that seems like a head-scratcher to me. Unless they're thinking long-term. I mean, it was interesting that they made that move for Mariota, and it's just, okay, you need a quarterback, but my first thought when I saw that they were just going to rip the Band-Aid off and say, okay, we're going to eat this right now, is that we may have the first team here that is unofficially entering the Bryce Young-CJ Stroud sweepstakes for next year. I agree. And that, that is that – is, you're right. I mean, it has to be a long-term play, and they have to be the team that's saying, all right, we want to position ourselves to be one of these – you know, to get one of the guys that, you know, is the the potential franchise quarterback kind of situation. But yeah, it's it's always funny to me because I mean, and we've seen it a lot here in Denver. I mean, quarterbacks are just such an inexact science, and to spend that kind of money to um, make plans based on guys who've never taken an NFL snap. I mean, it's it's always interesting, but teams don't seem to change. I mean, the, the league does this year in, year out. So I, uh, I, I suppose it makes sense or it makes sense to someone, <laughs> maybe not me all the time, but what would you have done then if you were the Falcons sitting here today? What was your been, been your play? Oh boy, that's a tough one because I, I do think Matt Ryan's on the downhill slide for sure. But if I was going to have to eat that money and, and my solution was Marcus Mariota. I don't know that I make that move, but but like you said, it, it it is it is a it has to be there has to be a step two there has to be because just on the surface it doesn't make sense. But if you if you extrapolate and you go a draft or two, you've got to be thinking well they're they're looking at not Matt Ryan this year they're looking at Matt Ryan next year or two years from now and then what are they going to have. And, and that's, that's probably not a pretty picture. I mean, nobody wants, I mean, Matt Ryan is the kind of quarterback who, unlike Tom Brady and hopefully Russell Wilson, he, he feels like the kind of guy who does age fast or once he sort of hits that, you know, cliff, he's falling off. He's not gradually walking down the hill. Yeah. Well, just to kind of, kind of illustrate Matt Ryan over the last few years, obviously he peaked out 
2016 league MVP. Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator. Falcons go to the Super Bowl and they blow the 28-3 lead that year. His passer rating was 117.1. So we're just going to take it on the rating number. 2017 drops off Kyle Shanahan's in San Francisco to 91.4, back up to 108.1, down to 92. The last three years, 92.1, 93.3, 90.4. So what is really interesting is that four of the last six years, four of the last five years, he's basically been in kind of that mid-range, that mid-range tier, but he hasn't really... If there's been a decline, it hasn't been all that perceptible. He's been pretty much at the same level for four of the last for for the last five years. So if there has been a decline, it has been very imperceptible to the point where it's almost not noticeable. Well, the other factor I think you have to look at is what's around him. Mm-hmm. You talk about Shanahan being his coordinator. That's a huge drop off when he loses. That I mean, especially in retrospect, and we see what Kyle Shanahan's been able to do. But then, you know, if you're really being honest, he's lost a lot of weapons. Yeah. Um, and their offensive line isn't that great. Their defense certainly isn't that good. Um, so it's just it. It's hard to pin it on just a number because I do think that Matt Stat, like like I said, going to a new situation with a good running game. Um, uh-huh. Just a new vibe. I think that he's going to see an uptick, and that's that's bad news for the rest of the AFC. But um, I think that he's the guy that could get could get a little bit of a, a spark just from moving somewhere else. Yeah, and the other thing I think that comes into play here is the fact that they're in the AFC South. Right. I I, I let me. I'm going to throw something out here, an assertion, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree. The Colts if would be behind all four AFC West teams right now in terms of quality of the roster, quality of the team. I agree with that. Okay. Yeah. They would if you if if you put them and had a five team group, they'd be fifth. Yet by being in the AFC South and getting four divisional games against the Jaguars and Texans, and yet for whatever reason, they seem to have a lot of trouble winning in Jacksonville as they showed in week 18 of last year when they blew a playoff spot down there. But getting a getting divisional play and the Titans looking like they're going to be a little bit down, there's a very real chance here that you're talking about the Colts at 10-7 and seven, or maybe 11-6, and six, very similar to the record they had when they went 11-5 and five back in 2020 with Phillip Rivers, which I think is probably the best comp for the situation that they, for, exactly. that they have right now. That this is a team that takes advantage of a relatively a more a more benign schedule in divisional play than the guys in the AFC West have, and they steal a playoff spot from one of those teams in the AFC West. That's better. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a combination of the AFC South having some freebies, having a lot of freebies, and then you look at the AFC West, and as good as it is, and as fun as it's going to be to watch them, there's no doubt they're going to beat each other up. So. You know, in theory, do they have three teams that are playoff caliber teams? Probably they might have four, but because they all can't win and they're going to basically play a gauntlet throughout the middle of the season playing each other, there's going to be some losses in there that cost somebody in the AFC West a champion or a, a spot in the playoffs. Um, 
you know, if you're not if you're not the team that wins it, it could be a roll of the dice whether you get in or not because there are those divisions like the the AFC South where you know you're, you're right. Your your top two teams, which now it definitely looks like um, the Titans and Colts, they're they're gonna go, um, and that's just that's it, it's kind of how the math works out, you know. Yeah, and then of course the AFC North is what it is with. Joe Burrow and Baltimore. Baltimore. The only reason Baltimore wasn't a playoff team last year was they lost Lamar Jackson for five for for five games, right. including uh, down the stretch. Once they they were eight and four when they went into his last start, he got hurt against Cleveland early, and they lost five in a row. Who who keeps their quarterback the healthiest might also determine who's in, who's in the playoffs. And then over in the AFC East, you can't, you still can't sleep on new England as a, a team no. sneak in and get a wild card, especially again, given the quality of their division compared to the AFC West. I mean, we could be talking about two of, of these four apparent behemoths in the AFC West. We could talk about two of them being out of the playoffs when, yeah. when oh, the postseason yeah. comes and, and it could look, it, it could be any of them. would not at all surprise me if Kansas city is one of those teams that misses the playoffs. Well, of all the teams in the AFC West, and as much as we've talked about how good that division has become in a matter of about three weeks, Kansas City has been the quietest. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that they aren't already very, very good, but they have not done well, – they haven't made the headlines that the other teams have. Right. And they, they're hoping uh, – their biggest their biggest addition is probably Matt Nagy coming back. Right, yeah. Because, yeah. because of his relationship with Patrick Mahomes, and especially given how things have frayed between Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy. I think it's going to I think having Nagy around is going to smooth things out for them this year. Coming up on the other side. Last week we were talking about Lyle Collins and what the Broncos might do at right tackle would they pursue him? They didn't pursue him. Lyle Collins went to the Bengals, another one of those AFC potential behemoths on a 3-year deal. Should the Broncos have been in on Collins? And what are what is their plan to protect Russell Wilson on the right side? We'll discuss that on the after, on the other side. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Eric Goodman on assignment, as the late Herb Brown would say. Doug Ottawa of Mile High Sports filling in for Eric Goodman. Mile High Sports Radio, MileHighSports.com. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. I feel like we need some soft lighting. I feel like it's <laughs> after dark. It's like a smooth jazz station circa 1989 or so. Very pleasant. Oh, Danny. Dan- Danny's got some <laughs> wizardry there with what he chooses for our bumper Danny, music. Does, does Danny have a silk robe on today? He doesn't have a silk robe, but he has a very <laughs> colorful baseball cap with a lot of okay. with a floral pattern on it, wearing backwards. Danny, what's the story with that cap? Oh, uh, well, this hat actually is from a friend of mine, okay. and he just left it at my house one day, so it became mine, because possession is nine-tenths of the law. Yeah. Um, and it says MHS on it. Oh, cool. So that was part of the reason I wore it today. But for Mile High Sports or some other MHS? Oh, uh, well, it's technically Mile High Spirits, but... Oh, okay. I just pretend. 
Hey, but it's Mile High Sports. <laughs> there you go. It's all it's all good. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Andrew Mason here. Eric Goodman on assignment as the late great Earth Brown would say. Doug Ottawa of Mile High Sports filling in for Eric today. I want to tell you about Mighty Plumbing and Heating, which right now has an amazing offer. You can save up to nearly $5,300 on an exclusive Mighty and Rudd heating and air replacement offer. You'll also get a 10-year parts and labor warranty Whole home air duct cleaning, a whole home humidifier, five-year complete maintenance, a smart thermostat, including installation. For all that, go to MightyPH.com. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. Okay, there's something I see often on Twitter, Doug, and it kind of drives me crazy. And it's become very popular, especially in this month where you have both Major League Baseball free agency and NFL free agency coinciding because the MLB lockout basically delayed their offseason. And it is a tweet that says, today would be a good day for insert team here to sign insert team, insert player name here. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen so much of that. It is stupid. It just drives me bonkers. Can't stand it. Well, and they're, generally speaking, and not not to speak for everyone who tweets that, but they're so uh, they're lacking logic and or context. I mean, yes. it's always it's always a good day to go sign. You know, you name the superstar, but mm-hmm. uh, there's so many situations, especially now and and. I would say, and I'm not trying to butter up on your own show, but hmm. you're one of the you're one of the people I listen to the most with regard to cap space. It's one it's head spinning, yeah. And so I, you know, have I would say that I'm loosely um, in tune with cap space and financial considerations or whatever. So I do I definitely have to listen to you know guys like you to stay on top of what teams really can and can't do. Because that is as big a part of sports now as throwing and catching and hitting and making baskets or whatever. So it's a huge part of it. And so when people tweet that out, it's it's definitely like, well, yeah, but did you think about this, this, and this? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you're a kid, well, of course you want to trade for Michael Jordan. Of course you do. It just doesn't work like that. It, it doesn't. And especially when you have a, a cap sport like the NFL – if you do go beyond that, and there are mechanisms like uh, converting, you know, converting salaries to 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 game by game bonuses and that sort of thing, but inevitably you have to pay the bill. I mean, we let off this show talking about how when Atlanta traded Matt Ryan, that meant that they the the bill they've been pushing off a little bit came due forty million dollars of dead money, and like yep. uh, it's gonna it you have Green Green Bay is pushing it off as well. Although getting Devontae Adams traded helped a little bit, but they're they're gonna have they're gonna have a bill someday. New New Orleans at some point, I think they're gonna they're the kind of the kings of, of pushing and pushing it <laughs> yeah. off. But yeah. uh, you, you kind of wonder, okay, at what point do we say, all right, this is the year to just take our lumps, get everything back in line, and reset? And it's interesting for the Broncos because with all these moves. And yes, the, because of what they did with Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, they converted that they converted some of, of their money to to roster bon- to per to per game bonuses that'll kick in down that'll kick in down the line. 
So they create a little bit of space, but you don't want to do too much on the credit card because, as we just saw in the last few days, if Deshaun Watson coming off of a year in which he didn't play with all the off-field stuff, the 22, the, the, the 22 lawsuits looming over him, a probable suspension of a significant length looming, if Deshaun Watson can get a contract of $230 million over five years, what is, or six or six years, pardon me, what is Russell Wilson going to get? Or five years, 230 over five. Yeah. What, is Russell Wilson going to get $330 million over six years? That's legitimately possible. Yeah, I mean, squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. You never have to worry about off-field stuff with him. I, you know, the only thing you really have to worry about, and, and really based on his history or limited history of being injured, there's not much to worry about. So the years ought to be there, and uh, hopefully the quality is there, mm-hmm. and he definitely won't give you the the headaches that Deshaun Watson could potentially give someone. But yeah, it's nuts. You, you're right. The Broncos, whether they're freeing up space for for a certain player this year or a certain position this year, that's pretty likely. But, man, what what will they do when they got to sign him? And they got to sign him. They want to sign him. They want but, to, um, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, and look, in the last two, three weeks, I think everybody has seen sort of George Payton come into his own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's done a good job, but I think – making this move for Russell Wilson and then making some, some big moves right behind it. I think people are like, wow, this guy's on top of his game. And so I, I don't think for a second that he's going to do something that's going to paint the Broncos into a corner that will make it prohibitive for re-signing Russell Wilson. Yeah. And that's the thing that looms over it because if we, we are talking about a future where Russell Wilson has a cap number almost certainly north of $50 million. And yes, the cap is going to go up. Probably, probably we're talking about, for example, uh, the cap being upwards of $45 million more in a couple of years than it is right now. But still, you've got to kind of make your plans and you've got to be reason- you've got to be reasonable. And that brings us to Lyell Collins. A lot of people in Broncos country wanted their team to sign Lyell Collins Instead, he signs with the Bengals over the weekend for a three-year, $30 million deal. Effectively, it's a two-year, $22 million contract. The Bengals, their top priority has been rebuild that offensive line. It was obvious in the playoffs that that was, that, that was the one-week spot of the team, and they've certainly fortified it. Now, at that cost, 20, effectively, $22 million over two years is what the contract basically is. Should the Broncos have been in on Lyle Collins? That's a that's a tough one because I think they should have. Um, I think he's a guy, to your point, to lead off the segment, he's a guy that everybody goes, today would be a great day to sign Lyle Collins. Mm-hmm. But there, there's probably some math behind the reason that maybe they didn't. That doesn't sound like a huge number to me. Yeah. Um, but I, the, the question I would have asked is, Russell Wilson, do you want to sign Lyle Collins? Or is there another guy out there? I, I mean, you know, there's there are a couple left. You know, Billy Turner from Green Bay or Darrell Williams. What kind of number are they going to bring? Um, and you know, I don't know. It, it's hard to say um, if that fits within the Broncos' plans or Russell Wilson's wishes and desires. Um, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there a rumor that Russell Wilson had called Lyle Collins and and 
suggested he might should think about Denver? Uh, there's that rumor is floating around. I, I can't I, I can't confirm it. Now, we know the Broncos have brought in one kind of uh, fringe starter uh, swing tackle in Tom Compton, who uh, played for Butch Berry, their current their new offensive line coach in San Francisco, start and actually uh, started. Um, Ten games last year, including all into including three playoff games, all three playoff games the Forty ers uh, played in. They're also visiting with Brandon Shell, who has started at right tackle for the Seahawks the last couple of years. And there's a Russell Wilson connection, obviously, because the two played together in Seattle. The interesting thing there is that Shell actually missed the block that led to the hit that got Russell Wilson injured. But it sounds like Russell Wilson would like to see Brandon Shell rejoin him here in Denver too. And that I'm okay with that. Um, obviously that guy is going to be significantly less expensive mm-hmm. than Lyle Collins. Um, and if you've kind of got the, the stamp of endorsement from Russell Wilson, I mean, who better would know him and right. know his, you know, Russell Wilson talked so much the other day about work ethic and habit and guys that want to win. Um, it, it's, it might be tough to, to fully evaluate a guy that played on a team that, the rest of the offensive line wasn't that good or the rest of the offensive line had Russell Wilson running around with his head cut off, you know, too much last season. So mm-hmm. if, if there's a guy on that line that Russell Wilson says, yeah, bring him in. He's a player. He, he studies the game. He works hard. I mean, I, I tend to, to value that a lot. Um, even over somebody that's a bigger name that you might know, like Lyle Collins. Yeah. One thing that I was just, when I was looking up a uh, Brandon shell earlier today, um, of course, we know, like, for example, that Garrett Bowles has had a lot of holding penalties. Just, yeah. the, just the accepted holding penalties, not even the decline and offsetting ones. He's had 24 in his, in his five-season career. Do you know how many holding penalties Brandon Shell has in six seasons as a league? And he started 61 games, so he's played quite a bit. Boy, I don't is the is the accurate answer, but I'm just going to guess for the sake of uh, sports talk radio that he has more than Garrett Bowles. Fewer. He has three. Three? Garrett Bowles. Oh, yeah, yeah, Garrett Bowles has 24 accepted holding penalties in 77 games. Brandon Shell, who the Broncos are visiting with, has three accepted holding penalties in 61 starts, 70 total games played. <laughs> wow yes that is that is a significant difference you really uh you fooled me with that one i, w- I would have never guessed that even if i would have said lower i would have said as ah, in this neighborhood of garrett bulls but especially when you think about the seahawks i mean mm-hmm. that that was had to be one of the rubs is that you know russell wilson wasn't exactly protected the last couple seasons and also holding penalties often tend to happen when you've got a quarterback who's trying to extend plays, and that's not, and Brandon Shell was with the Jets for four seasons, with the, but with the Seahawks the last couple of years, only one holding penalty in 21 games played for the Seahawks over the last couple of years. And I think it illuminates your point. Like if Russell Wilson says, hey, this dude, I like him, I, 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 I like him, that's, that's all I need. If, if he's played yeah. with Brandon Shell and says, hey, I think, and I'm sure that, they're, that they, would, they would seek out Russ's input on it. If he says, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good dude, I, and I'd like to see him here, then you, you, I think you start drawing up the contract right away. Yeah, and, and what's your best guess for a cap, you know, a salary number for him? I mean, I would think it's 
what five six seven somewhere in that neighborhood probably probably between four and five and that's very and that's very reasonable and then you've you've got to You've actually then got an offensive line where you say you got starters. You've got you got you got someone like Tom Compton as a swing backup who can step in. You are you got depth on the interior as well. At that point, you've also covered yourself with experience depth in case of injuries, and that's something that I think the Bron- that the Broncos have struggled with depth at times sometimes over the years. That's something I think that can help them out tremendously. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I just. Russell Wilson just strikes me as a guy who, you know, he's going to know everybody on his roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to know everything about him. I mean, he already knew every name of every starter on the Broncos from last year. I love that. It's Yeah, me too. And, that, and that's why if he says, this guy can play, I know what he's like, I know how he works, fine. I don't even need to go scout him. Yeah, and the other thing, I think he understated how much film he studied because when he talked about Jerry Judy... He described a play he made in 2020, not 2021. I think Russ dove yeah. back into the 2020 film, too. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he, he's 100% the second coming of Peyton Manning, at least how mm-hmm. he carries himself, prides himself on preparation, prides himself on professionalism, really, at every level. I mean, that's super impressive when when uh, he got up to talk, and you're like, I've heard this before, and it was uh, it was number 18. Very well put. Super impressive. What has not been super impressive lately? The Denver Nuggets. They've dropped two in a row for their last six. How concerned are you about the Nuggets' recent form? We're going to talk about that on the other side in the Rocky Mountain Forest Park. Shout-out question. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Doug Ottawa filling in for Eric Goodman. Andrew Mason here on Mile High Sports Radio, MileHighSports.com. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on milehighsports.com. Listen on Mile High Sports Radio, of course, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3 FM in Denver, Eric Goodman, of course, on assignment. He's enjoying a long weekend. He'll be back in the studio tomorrow. Andrew Mason, you're joined by Doug Ottawill of uh, of Mile High Sports. Danny, Ke- Danny Kelly and Alex, they're behind the glass here, driving us through the afternoon. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Time now for the Rocky Mountain Forest Park shout-out questions with our guys Ty Calcade and Evan of the Just Us Guys podcast. The Nuggets have lost two in a row, lost badly to the Celtics last night at home. They've dropped four of their last six, including three in a row at home. They are now in a tie for the number number six spot in the Western Conference with Minnesota at 42 and 30, which means a tie for six means you could be seventh, which means you're going into the four-team play-in round to actually make the postseason. Doug, on a scale of one to ten, what is your concern level over the recent form? Mm, it's pushing eight. I mean, I, I just... 
see a team that looks like something is not right with them. And it's more of a, a culture thing or a uh, pressure thing. Uh, and, and, you know, like just because uh, I was there last night and um, uh, I, I sit fairly close to the bench and just watching Michael Malone um, react with his assistants and with guys um, during timeouts or when they come off, um, something just doesn't seem right with that team right now. And then you, you pair that with the post-game comments and kind of who did or said what and who did or didn't say what. Um, it seems like something a little bit bigger is going on, and it's hard to, to pinpoint. I mean, they just they played terrible last night, and that's going to happen to any team. And Boston could not have played better, but um, something seems off right now to me. So that's why I that's why I go the strong eight. Yeah, it's a, it's an eight and a half actually for me, and part of it is that even though there have been hopes expressed that. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. could possibly return. Malone, for one, is putting some cold water on that, especially on the potential of Jamal Murray coming back. It just looks like a team that has had to piece things together with duct tape and bailing wire for so long, and finally those temporary solutions are failing. Yeah, and, and and when you have an MVP player like Nikola Jokic, and he more or less comes through every night. I mean, and and that's not much of an overstatement. He there's been very few games this year where he hasn't played at an MVP level. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is when you have that night, and last night was one of them, where he's off, or the or or the Celtics have a defense where they're basically saying any one of you guys can beat us, but not him. Mm-hmm. And, and things aren't going right. The, the rest of the team picks up on it. And you could see that. You could see that there's sort of that deer in the headlights. Oh, well, what do we do now when he's not going to do what he can do always? And that's, that's a bad sign. I mean, th- there's some, there's some bright spots. I mean, I, I still like bones Highland, but he's going to be inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Monte Morris. And, and he's a player that feeds off of Jokic. You know, he's, he's played really well for the most part lately. But if Jokic isn't playing well, he tends to follow suit. When Jokic is playing well, he plays really well. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the message sent at halftime of pulling all the starters, I mean, I don't really care if you're down 20 or 10 or 30, but the Celtics are in town. It's halftime. What what message are you sending when you put out your second string? I mean, it, it's it's too late in the year in my mind to start teaching lessons. This is a time where, it, it, and this is you know this is up for debate. But if I'm Michael Malone and I have a team that I think can compete in the playoffs, and I do think the Nuggets can compete, I don't think they're going to win it as is. But maybe last night's one of those nights where you go, look, guys. Let's go get a beer after the game. That just wasn't our night. Let's go laugh it off. As opposed to, I'm not getting defensive effort. I'm not the, I don't know what to explain. I, he, he just, he has a bad habit of throwing his team under the bus, and it's not behind closed doors. It's, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trot out the second team to start the half so everybody notices it. And then after the game, I'm not going to make an excuse for anybody. I'm not going to 
you know, put my arms around anybody. It's just, it's kind of a bloodbath. And I can't, I don't think that's a good thing heading into the playoffs. Guys, what do you think? You know, it felt like coming out at ha- coming out of, of the uh, halftime into the second half last night. I mean, it just felt like a panic move. Yeah, when he made it, or or a tantrum. You know, mm-hmm. things aren't going right. This guy or that guy isn't playing the way I want him to. You know what? We're just going to sit everybody and make sure that the entire arena, including all five thousand Celtics fans, <laughs> see it. That's what it felt like to me. I mean. I, I literally was sitting there saying, what is he doing? This is not time to make a point. I mean, you have the MVP on your team. You're down. Put him in the game. That's how you win games or how you get back in them. And the second team didn't play bad. It's not that they won it or lost it in that you know stretch to start the second half. Mm-hmm. It's just it was symbolic. And I think when you're dealing with, with professional athletes, particularly in the, in the NBA – Man, that doesn't take much to scratch the surface of that ego. The guys that play in the NBA are – they've been coddled their whole life. And I, and that, I don't think Nikola Jokic is like this. Uh, but, you know, when, when you got five guys that are starters in the NBA and you embarrass them, and I think that's what happens when you do something like that. I don't generally think the results are very good. Yeah, and the other thing, like I, I was just, just thinking about this, you were you were six days removed from one of your better wins of the year against uh, against Philadelphia. Now you didn't fall as far behind against the Sixers as you did again as you did against the Celtics, but you were you were still down by you were still down by nineteen. And, That's a great comparison. Yeah, and yet. The guys who who got the Nuggets back in at the end of the first half, that was the first team. They were exactly. they were playing badly, but then or behind by twenty, my bad. But that run ha- at the end, in the second quarter happened when you had Will Barton on the floor. Happened when you had Nikola Jokic on the floor. Happened when you had Aaron Gordon on the floor. So yeah, it, it, that's why it seemed bizarre to me because it's not like it's not like your starters here trying to prove a point. But your starters had gotten you out of a bad situation just six days ago in one of your bigger wins of the year. Yeah, and when, when you have Nikola Jokic, you're not out of any game. I mean, he's a guy who can score points in bunches and cause fouls. And, you know, early on in the game, he had he had the Celtics front line in foul trouble, like within the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right or wrong or, or for whatever reason, you know, they didn't – he cooled off and that and didn't – pan out to mean much but it just seems to me like Malone gets very cranky and you know salty early and and he does kind of give up on I don't want to say give up but I don't know he's not Phil Jackson and I don't I don't see you know him getting uh much benefit out of making strong points with guys that have gotten him to where he's at Danny, what did we miss for just in case you missed it? Today is NHL trade deadline day. The Avs still making moves. They made two more additions today. We'll talk about those and also go back to the moves they made early last week to get things rolling and some of the other moves around the NHL today. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Mason and Ottawa. 
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch the MileHighSports.com. Listen on Mile High Sports Radio. Eric Goodman on assignment. Andrew Mason here. Doug Ottawa of Mile High Sports filling in for Eric Goodman. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, today was the NHL trade deadline and the Colorado Avalanche got started on their moves early last week, trading for defenseman Josh Manson and center Nico Sturm on consecutive days at the beginning of last week. Today... They sent Justin Barron and a 2024 second-round pick to Montreal for forward Arturi Lekkinen, and they gave a 2024 fifth-round pick to San Jose in exchange for forward Andrew Cogliano. Now, Claude Giroux was the big name that the Avalanche were targeting. He ended up going to the Florida Panthers. Do these four additions for the Avalanche position them better with the depth necessary to make a big playoff run this year and kind of make up for them not getting Claude Giroux. Slightly. I mean, we've seen Avalanche uh, teams that have been felled by injuries at the wrong time and their depth being compromised. Certainly Lekkonen in particular was a pretty solid part of uh, the Canadiens last year and making that run to the Stanley Cup Finals. But this is all going to come down to Darcy Kemper and whether he's the kind of guy who can backstop you all the way or not. Yeah, it's it's tough to disagree with the with the it all comes down to goaltending sentiment. But I think that these moves, as much as they also mean depth, they're experience. I mean, the the guys that they've brought in are guys that are um, maybe a little bit older and and or have real playoff experience. I mean, both the guys they brought in today, um, you know, they they've done it. They've been there in big moments in the postseason, and I think that's. That's one of the things that maybe this team has lacked. They, they've never, they don't have anybody on the team that's that's done it in the postseason. They have all kinds of talent, but they need that that voice of reason, the Demarcus Ware type, if you will. Mm-hmm. And trading Justin Barrett as part of the Lekkonen deal, that is not an insignificant uh, uh, piece to trade in terms of in terms of long term development. That's somebody who was probably going to be a pretty develop into a pretty solid and steady top four defenseman for you uh, in your in your lineup and. Uh, now that's what I mean. That tells you how serious they were about adding Lekkonen, But I was surprised that that, that Baron that they parted ways with Baron today. Yeah, th- these are win now moves yes. for sure. Yeah, Baron's going to be very helpful to the Canadians down the line. So uh, you know, clear a, a good move for a rebuilding team. I think it's it's win win. And you know what? If you get the ring, who cares? Exactly. You guys, you guys exactly. both talked about goaltending there. A big move in the uh, goaltending sphere as the Minnesota Wild made a deal with Chicago for Mark andre Fleury. The Avs play the Wild twice more in the regular season and then could potentially meet up with them in the playoffs. Any worry that Fleury sends the Avs home again this postseason like he did last postseason with Vegas? Yes. 
that was <laughs> that that was the trade that if you're if you're the Avs, you really didn't want to see. I mean, there were indications late last week with Giroux obviously not in net that uh, that the Panthers were keen on him and that he actually wanted to go to Florida and not Colorado. But Mark Andre Fleury, he's broken your heart before, and now he goes to, he goes to the team that has specialized in breaking the Avs heart since what seems like time immemorial, that'll get everybody's sphincters a little tighter if the Wild is on the docket in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it, it is all, it's such a cliche, and it's, it's a thing that everybody says, but it always comes down to goaltending mm-hmm. in the postseason. And, and that the, the more goaltenders that have the potential to get hot mm-hmm. in your conference, the, uh, you know, the scarier it is. And the Avs are in a, in a puckered position right now already, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, the history of President's Trophy winners in the Stanley Cup playoffs the last three decades or so, not good. Not good no, at all No, for winning the, winning the Cup. You got more, Danny, or we want to wait till the next hour? Oh, we'll save them for next hour. All right. That was just in case you missed it. Brought to you by our friends over at Mountain High Appliance, where you can try before you buy. They've got a terrific selection. Mountain High Appliance, of course, is Colorado's most complete appliance resources with every major appliance line in-house delivery, professional installation, and state-of-the-art showrooms featuring over 250 live appliances in over 20 kitchens. You can check out their locations up and down the front range. you got the clearance center in here in Denver, of course. They're in Louisville, Littleton, in Colorado Springs, and out in Glenwood Springs as well, and their warehouse, of course, is in Denver. So check all that out at mountainhighappliance.com. Coming, coming up on the other side as we roll into our number two here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, and of course, Eric Goodman out, Doug, Doug Ottawill, filling in for Eric Goodman today. We're going to get more into the Denver Nuggets. We touched on them at, at 4.30. Are the Nuggets' recent losses a hiccup or a sign of something deeper? We'll discuss that on the other side. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Eric Goodman out today. Doug Ottawa, Mile High Sports. In for him. Mile High Sports Radio, milehighsports.com. Yeah. 